You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Wow, praise the Lord. Uh, let's see, this morning we're going to study on this one of the fundamental subjects of Christianity, and I stay pretty close to those fundamental subjects and don't get too far away from that. So we're going to study on the importance of your confession of faith, the importance of your confession of faith. And um, if you have your Bible, there's so many good places we can start, but Romans chapter 10 and uh, we could go like Romans 8 through 10 to see the importance of your confession of faith. And anytime you use the word confession, among Christians especially, they always think about the confession of sin or the confession of your mistakes or the confession of your failure. The New Testament has much more to say about the confession of your faith than it does about the confession of your failure. So the importance of your confession of faith, Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 uh, says, But what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So very important scriptures here on how you are saved. Amen. And so really here he says the way you and I are saved is the confession that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And when you confess Jesus is Lord, then he said, it is that confession that is made unto salvation. It is that confession that actually produces salvation in your life or in your heart or in your experience. It is your confession that produces the reality of that in your life. So he says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, it is this confession that precedes salvation. It is this confession that you make this confession precedes the experience of salvation. In other words, Jesus had already died, already been raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. He already paid for all of our salvation. But when you received it is when you confess Jesus as your Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And that confession precedes salvation, and you really cannot separate faith from confession. In other words, you're going to live by faith, you're going to overcome by faith, then confession is right in the middle of how faith works, the confession of our faith. So then if you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, uh, we see what he says in Hebrews about your confession, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. And uh, he says, seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, 
And then he mentions our profession here in the King James translation, profession. But really, it's the same identical word as confession in Romans 10, 9, and 10. Same identical word as confession. So he says, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Now, if you have an amplified Bible, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith in him. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith in him. And that's exactly what he's talking about is you and I as believers must hold on tight. Don't let it slip. Realize the significance, importance of your confession of faith in Christ. So your confession, confession of faith, the word confession simply means to say the same thing and it means to agree with. So your confession is either having you agree with God and agree with Jesus and agreeing with who Jesus is, or your confession could be agreeing with your problem and your circumstances and your feelings. He says, hold fast to your confession of faith in him. Hold on tight to your confession of faith. Hold on tight. Well, he wouldn't tell you to hold on tight to it unless you could have some challenges in that area. Uh, he wouldn't tell you to hold on tight unless it's super significant that it's going to actually bring you into the experience of salvation. Confession before salvation. So a lot of times people want to wait till they experience it before they're going to say it. Faith works just the opposite as you confess it before you ever experience it. You confess you have a thing that there's no physical evidence that it exists. Living by faith. Amen. So your confession, he says, hold fast to your confession of faith. So if you go to Hebrews 3, 1, we'll look at several scriptures here on the subject of the confession. Uh, and Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, it talks about Jesus, who he is, and it says that we are partakers of the heavenly calling. And he says, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, confession, Jesus. So he says, now uh, believers, partakers of the heavenly, uh, heavenly calling, let us consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our profession. So when he says consider him, the word consider Jesus literally means to turn your attention to him. Consider Jesus, who he is, what he's done for you, what he is doing for you now at the right hand of God. And the word consider uh, actually means to study him. It literally means to meditate on him. Meditate, turn your attention to Jesus. So you can see that your confession is designed not to make you confession conscious, but to make you Jesus conscious. See that? Your confession is designed for you. Consider Jesus. Now your confession is to do what? Say the same thing or agree with who Jesus is, what he has done for you, 
and what he is doing for you now at the right hand of God. Amen? Well, in Hebrews, we have other scriptures that you can see. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, 25, which gives you the present-day ministry of Jesus. The present-day ministry. In other words, we see Jesus' earth ministry. We see Jesus dying on the cross for us, for our sins, the power of his blood, the blood covenant. But here in Hebrews 7.25, he said he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. So now the present-day ministry of Jesus is what's he doing? Well, he says he is in ever living, making intercession for us. Be pretty nice to know you got Jesus praying for you at the right hand of God. So Jesus is alive, but he is uh, in a uh, new ministry as our advocate, as our high priest, as the head of the church. Right? As the head of the church. And as, if he's the head of the church, then he's the head of the church. You ain't. Brother, Brother Hagin said he was... He said, you, you ain't, and neither is your wife. <laughs> not, not sure where that came from uh, experience, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> amen. And uh, they were trying to get uh, our brother-in-law, Tony Caminetti, uh, was Brother Hagin's driver for a number of years, and he was trying to get Dad Hagin to correct uh, a certain minister that was on TV well, he couldn't correct him personally because he didn't know him, but uh, he's trying to get him to correct, like in front of other people, the, the Ramah staff and ministers. Brother Hagin had a lot of influence, so he said, I think you need to say something about this preacher's on TV all the time, and he's saying this, and he's saying that, and so I want you to correct him. So Tony was his driver, <laughs> and uh, Brother Hagin was in the back seat, and he said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. So Tony uh, was persistent. He really wasn't going to quit on it. So he just said, well, don't you think somebody needs to correct him? He said, somebody needs to correct him. He's doing things that are not good. It's not healthy for the body of Christ, saying things on television. It has a lot of influence. And he said, don't you think that you, somebody ought to do something? And uh, you could sure do something. And so Brother Hagin, he said, the only time he ever saw him get angry You know, man of God might get angry every now and then. It, it, it actually happened in the Bible. But the only time he saw him get angry was Brother Hagin kind of hollered at him. He said, am I the head of the church? He said, I am not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and I will not say anything. Well, if you believe Jesus is the head of the church, I think he's not only big enough to die, be raised from the dead, you know, destroy the devil and his kingdom, and actually manage the body of Christ. Yeah, and he's very merciful. So he uh, gives people time. How many of y'all are glad about that? So, so <laughs> he gives people time to make adjustments. And so, you know, you know Jesus' present-day ministry, so that's part of your confession, 
is you're not ambitious and pushing and trying to get attention for your gift and your calling and your prophecy, you know, and no matter how good you are at social media promotion, come on, you're not pushing for, Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. And if he, if he can and will set you in your place in the body of Christ, he's actually big enough to do that. Until then, just keep serving, amen, and be happy. Don't be wishing you had somebody else's place or somebody else's influence or, you know, trying to get to know so-and-so. Just because you know so-and-so ain't going to promote you none. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, so you just kind of, you know, you know, you have a call of God on your life. You know the Lord wants to use you, so you have to come to this confession. What is that? Jesus is the head of the church. I will allow the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, to set me in my place in the body of Christ to minister and to serve as he desires and as he chooses, not desiring my own glory or that my own name or ministry would be magnified, but that the name of Jesus would be magnified. Y'all still here? I actually had ministers. One of the reasons they left my ministry group of pastors is because I wouldn't let them get on the platform anymore. They're used to getting on the platform, and some things happen. I said, you can't get on the platform until, until further notice. <laughs> well, that's the problem. They think they belong on the platform. So you sit your butt down over there on the seat with everybody else, and you pay attention. <laughs> Y'all still here? So anytime you start thinking you belong on the platform and you ought to be heard and you ought to get to sing your solo, then you're out of order. Well, I thank you for your enthusiasm. That's all just extra right there. But if you have faith in God, you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, how many believe God's able to take care of those kind of things? Amen. Amen. And so Jesus is the head of the church. Come on. I surrender to him. He's my Lord, but he's also the head of the church, and he'll set me in my place in the body of Christ, whether it's in a local church or any other facet of the national or international church. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 And he does it faster when you humble yourself, doesn't he? He just does it faster. Praise the Lord. You might not want what somebody else has anyway, so you might want to be glad you didn't get it, all right? So uh, that's a part of our confession, right? So Jesus is the apostle and high priest. As our high priest, then that means he represents us to God and God to us. As a high priest, he is, it says in Hebrews 4.15, touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he was tempted in all points like we are. Hebrews 4.15, tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. In all points would be pretty much include all. And that's where, you know, if you go to Bible college, which I went four years, and you have discussions on scriptures like this. And so, well, Jesus, being the Son of God, how could he be tempted 
in the ways of all points that people are tempted in. Well, that's not your question. I mean, it just says he was, so he was, so shut your mouth. So, you know. <laughs> in other words, he, he became a man or a human being, fully a human being, and he was tempted in all points like we are. And he overcame in all points like, amen, like we can, right? Amen. So he's tempted in all points. But as our high priest, then he's touched with the feelings. See, and we're talking about faith, and then he has to throw in the feelings. Right? So what does that mean? Well, he knows the feelings that you may go through when you're tempted. No matter how you feel, rejected, you feel alone, you feel like a failure, no matter how you feel, Jesus has been there. So you can say, nobody knows how I feel. Well, there is somebody that does know exactly how you feel. He's tempted in all points, and yet he overcame in all points, right? So one time I was reading Hebrews 4, 14, and 15 together. Y'all know 14? Hold fast your confession, your profession of faith. And then it says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So he's, he's not saying hold fast to your confession of faith and act like you don't have no feelings. Because you do have feelings. Living by faith is not acting like you don't have no feelings. Right? But living by faith is agreeing with your faith rather than agreeing with your feelings. All right. So uh, I put those two scriptures together a few years ago, and I thought, oh, I think I can say it this way. If people ask you how you're feeling, well, come on, when, you're not, when your feelings ain't working too good, people ask you how you're feeling, then I say, I'm feeling the same way Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. <laughs> so Jesus didn't deny those feelings. He had the feelings. He just didn't allow those feelings to control him. So I don't mean you're not going to have any feelings, but you have a high priest that knows exactly how you're feeling and has overcome in all points no matter what you're feeling. Amen. And so your confession would be what? Well, I'm feeling the way Jesus was feeling when he overcame this feeling. Praise the Lord. So if he overcame, then that means I overcome. Praise the Lord. I said, that means I'm overcoming. How are you overcoming? Hold fast to your confession of faith. Amen. So he says, consider Jesus who's the apostle and high priest. So you have the, your confession of faith, significant part of your Christianity that Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. So you understand the power of your confession of faith is what? Your confession here does something there. 
you want to be strong in faith, every time you make a confession that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and every time you confess his Lordship, something happens here, but something also happens there in heaven. Makes it pretty important, doesn't it? If you're saying something here that's going to register in heaven, it's my confession. I hold fast. Amen. I'm not going to turn loose of it. I'm not going to say one thing on Sunday and something different on Monday. Amen. I'm going to keep saying the same thing. Hold fast to my confession of faith. Amen. Uh, one of the things I kind of like to do, you know, and um, uh, it's kind of part of the way I grew up in South Texas, uh, is I like to go to a rodeo every now and then because uh, I always grew, grew up wanting to be a cowboy when I grew up. And so, I, you know, I had several different ambitions. I can remember some of your ambitions when, you know, when you were probably like nine years old or ten years old, you know. I thought, well, I'm going to be a cowboy. I'm going to have a ranch, the biggest ranch in Texas called the King Ranch. So I think I'm going to own the King Ranch, the cowboy, and um, a lot of horses and cows. And um, um, then, you know, you have several different things go through your mind at that age. You think, well, maybe I'm going to be president of the United States. I thought about that. I, I've seen a few of the presidents, and I think I am well able. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> just about everybody in this room is able, according to what I was saying. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not really just a fantasy. I mean, some of these guys are like, you could, you could do it. So uh, several, <laughs> even minister, I mean, pres president ministers coming out on the White House steps, going to sing, I'm going to sing about the blood of my so I, Maybe that would, that would, that could help the whole country, I think. At least, at least he'd be able to get up and down the steps, you know. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I wanted to be a cowboy. So, so when I was a little kid, you know, I, 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 got, I got a horse. I bought a horse with my own money because I told my dad I wanted to have a horse. And uh, he said, No. You cannot have a horse. We didn't have a yard big enough for a horse. And I said, well, Dad, you said when I pray, whatever I ask the Father in the name of Jesus, that he would give it to me. And I have already asked him for a horse, so I fully expect to have one. <laughs> so he had a hard time arguing with that because that was his sermon. It's his sermon. So either it's the truth or it's a lie, you said. So I asked God in the name of Jesus for a horse. So I'm going to have one. Well, I was probably about 10 years old or something like that. So I got me a quarter horse. Name was Buddy. Quarter horse named Buddy. So I used to deliver uh, grit newspapers. Uh, anybody ever heard of a grit newspaper? So if you're older, yeah, you've heard of a grit newspaper. 
because that was a weekly paper. So we would get them and, and uh, distribute them to our customers every Thursday. I think they cost 35 cents a week. And my take was uh, what I made, my profit was about like 12 cents per paper. I had a route of about 32 customers. So I could make, you know, about $3 maybe. And um, most of it was gone on uh, Twinkies <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Cheetos and root beer. And so that gave me a little spending money. Then I had to have enough money to feed my horse. Anyway, so I got to where I, I love horses. And uh, um, Buddy escaped the pen, my little quarter horse. I had him in a pen. It was not a great pen, just the best I could afford. And I had him in a pen, and he escaped regularly. He'd get out of the pen. He'd be in somebody's backyard in their garden or somewhere, you know. And so the, my daddy would wake me up like 5 a.m., you know, and uh, holler, buddy's out of the pen, go get him out of the yard, Miss So-and-So's yard. And so I had to get up and, uh, and I go, you know, it's foggy, and go find Buddy. He's eating strawberries out of somebody's <laughs> strawberry patch. And, you know, they're kind of hollering when you go there. Buddy's keep that horse out of my car. So tell Buddy he's a bad boy and get him back to the pen. Bad boy, buddy, bad boy. So then, then one time Buddy escaped, and when he escaped, <laughs> when he escaped, he was gone for like two weeks. And so we were looking all over the neighborhoods trying to find him. We put an ad in the paper, you know, if you've seen, you know, Quarter Horse, his name is Buddy. And so finally somebody called us from a little town, a little community, that was about 10 miles away. And they said, he is, we have your horse. So my daddy took me out there and we got him. She, and my daddy said, you uh, ride him home. I didn't have a trailer. You have to ride him back home. So I started riding him back the country roads and I came across uh, a bridge. When I got to the bridge, Buddy would not cross the bridge. So as soon as I'd get him to the bridge and his hoofs would uh, clonk on that, on that bridge, it would scare him and he would not cross the bridge. He would back up. So I'd get off and I'd try to drag him across and none of that really, really helped, you know. And um, uh, finally, we got him to cross the bridge. I had to call my daddy and we finally got him across the bridge. So later on, I was riding on a, uh, with a bunch of cowboys, and I asked him, did you ever have a horse that wouldn't cross a bridge? And he said, yep. I said, how come some horses cross the bridge and some horses don't cross the bridge? He goes, nobody knows. <laughs> I said, uh, is it like a traumatic experience they had as a pony? Uh, maybe before they were born, maybe uh, why they won't cross a bridge? He goes, nobody knows. I said, well, what do you do if you have a horse that won't cross a bridge? He said, well, I'll tell you what we do. 
we take the horse that won't cross the bridge and we tie him to an old horse that's crossed a lot of bridges. And then he crossed the bridge. I said, thank you. Because in life, when it comes time for you to cross some bridges and you rear back every time you get to that place you got to cross, you're never going to get to your destination if you keep backing up and rearing back because you're afraid to cross a bridge. So God will tie you to an old horse that's already crossed some bridges and help you get across that bridge. <laughs> I couldn't have made it on my own, so Lord, just tie me up to an old horse. <laughs> he's, he's had to cross that bridge. Amen. So th those are like my cowboy days. Well, my horse buddy, we had a unique uh, relationship is that he liked to throw me off every once in a while. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so knock me out. You know, I'd be laying out in the grass, you know. And, <laughs> and I'd see him over there eating grass. I'd go get back on him and say, buddy, why'd you knock me? You threw me off again, man. I'm going to get a two-by-four and bust your head if you do that again. So we had an unusual relationship, <laughs> me and my horse buddy. Later on, I bought two thoroughbred horses <laughs> years later, not too long ago. And uh, the thoroughbred threw me right over the top of him. And so uh, I have given up my cowboy days are now over, <laughs> except for going to rodeos. Uh, every once in a while when I get up a ch on, off a chair, I can feel my previous rodeo days <laughs> going up my hip and to my back. <laughs> so I'm, I'm no longer a cowboy, just in case you're concerned. <laughs> but I still like to go to rodeos. So when I go to rodeo, my favorite part of the rodeo is the uh, bull riding. So I used to get the best tickets, and I get them right down where the bull riders come out. Because I love the bull riders. And um, I was just preaching that uh, a guy in our, ch in our uh, ministry group named Kevin Burns. He has a church in Lake Charles, and he has a cowboy bull rider on his staff. And this kid, you know, he's been riding bulls, you know, for years. And so he's a tough little guy. But now he's uh, part of the ministry, and and so he names he names his ministry the Nod. That's the name of his ministry is the Nod. You know the Nod because when you get on a bull, right, you don't get in a hurry. If you're going to ride a bull, you ain't like, oh, let's jump on there, let's go. No, no, you get on there. And, and the bull's kicking and, you know, and you're get trying to wrap your hand, trying to hold on to that rope, you know, and you're holding that bull's kicking. And, and then once you're settled in and you got a good grip, then you go, and that gate comes open, baby, and you got the next eight seconds is the best, best time of your life. The next eight seconds, either you're going to live or die, man, those next eight seconds. <laughs> and the key is how good your grip is. 
How good is your grip? So if you want to strengthen your grip, a good bull rider will, you know, have a tennis ball or have something constantly, constantly to strengthen his forearm because his whole body is held on by his grip. Well, what Paul is saying is this ain't no eight-second ride. You don't just have to hold on for eight seconds. You're just going to have to hold on for the rest of your life. And you're going to have some rides, and they're going to have some bulls that go to the left and go to the right, and some that want to jump, and some going to try to throw you off, and you just got to get a grip and hold on. You say, I am on this baby Amen. And so you holding fast to your confession of faith will determine whether you are able to experience salvation and blessing and victory and deliverance and reach your destination. And God will even tie you to some old horses that will help you get there. So, so you're going to have to hold on tight. So Paul, Paul says that, hold fast to your confession of faith. And, and every once in a while I hear a preacher kind of try to minimize the significance. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know there's some other important things, but I certainly wouldn't try to minimize the importance of the confession that produces salvation. How could you minimize that? I mean, how, how could you even make light of, well, you ain't me, people that be confessing this, confessing that. Well, that's how they're going to get there is your confession is made unto salvation, and that salvation includes what? Deliverance, safety, healing, preservation, and soundness. So the importance of your confession. So he says, hold on tight or hold fast to your confession. Hold on tight. Hold fast. Don't turn loose of it. Don't let it slip, and don't forget about it. When people ask you how you're feeling, you say what? I'm feeling the same way Jesus was feeling when he had to overcome his feeling. <laughs> and because he overcame, I also will overcome. Because my confession brings me into agreement with him. Y'all still with me? My confession brings me into agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Go to Hebrews 10, 23 real quickly here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My confession. What is your confession? Right? So in, if you're talking to other believers, people that are here, that you know what the Scriptures teach about confession, then you might want to ask somebody, what's your confession? If you're in here, if you understand faith, you know exactly what they're asking you. If you go somewhere else, they may think, uh, you want me to confess my sin or my failure. But if you're in here and you understand the importance of your faith, your confession, you might want to ask somebody. You may even know they're going through a challenge. And you want to say, what's your confession? Oh, all right, let's try it now. What, 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 what's your confession? Huh? What is your confession? Because it's only that confession that's going to get you in agreement with God and is going to produce salvation. What's your confession? 
All right, well, I'm going to show you several categories of that confession. But let's read Hebrews 10, 23 real quickly here. So in King James, he says, let us hold fast the profession. Again, he uses the word profession, but it's the same identical Greek word as the word confession. So you might as well just put confession. So let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. Well, that's a pretty good one, isn't it? In other words, your confession brings you into the consciousness of God's faithfulness. Got that? In other words, your confession don't just make you confession conscious. It makes you Jesus conscious, God conscious, that you're in agreement with God. And he says, and do that without wavering. What does that mean, without wavering? Well, that means... You can't say one thing on Sunday and say something different on Tuesday and Thursday, you know. Without wavering means hold fast to your confession. What is that? Whatever God's Word says, whatever Christ has done for me, what He is doing for me, I bring my confession into agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ. If He says I'm saved, come on, I'm saved. If He says I'm forgiven, then I'm forgiven. Amen. If he says I'm righteous, if he says he's cleansed me from all sin, if he says I'm washed in his blood, if he says God no longer remembers my sin, then I ain't even going to try to tell you how I feel about it. I'm going to tell you what he said about it, and that means I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm washed in his blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Your confession. So, right there he says, hold fast without what? All right, now you got to go to another one, Hebrews 13, 15. Hebrews 13, 15. And again, just a study on the importance of your confession. And being a doer of that means that you take your con confession serious. Right? Here's Hebrews 13, 15. By him, talking about Jesus, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How often? Well, that means you're going to be saying something uh, a lot. <laughs> let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. So what does that mean? You can't do it silently. It's going to have to come out of your mouth. Privilege, giving thanks to his name, and the word here, giving thanks, is the same Greek word as the word confession. Y'all still with me? So you could actually translate this, confessing to his name. Same word as confession. So they put giving thanks. In other words, it moves your mouth. You're giving thanks to God. So he says, by him, talking about because of Jesus, we offer the sacrifice of praise. So we're in the book of Hebrews, so you connect this sacrifice of praise. So a lot of times people think a sacrifice of praise is when you don't feel like doing it and you do it anyway. Well, you can use it that way if you want to. But really, I think he's using the sacrifice of praise because throughout the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the perfect sacrifice. And your sacrifice of praise connects you to his sacrifice. You see that? Or you could even say your confession 
connects you to his sacrifice. Your sacrifice of praise because of his sacrifice of his blood. Perfect sacrifice. Can you say amen? All right, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. I mean 12, I'm sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. And uh, right, right, you got some of these things written down here. All right, I, we got one more. So uh, what time is it? My time's all right. So 1 Timothy 6, 12, you got that? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. If there was no fight to faith, a lot more people would be doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it was just an easy thing. Amen. And so there is a fight to faith where he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life where you've been called. And you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So he says, here's your profession. You professed a good profession. So if you're going to fight the fight of faith, then you're going to have to have a good confession. What's your confession? A good confession. Then he says, other people have heard you make that confession. So he says, now, when you fight the good fight of faith and you have a good confession, you will lay hold on eternal life. All right? So thank God we know we have eternal life. But eternal life is not something you get when you die. All right, let's try it one more time. Eternal life is not something you get when you die. Eternal life is what you receive when you make Jesus your Lord. You receive the gift of eternal life right? That life comes into your spirit. What is that life? Well, the word zoe means the God kind of life, but it literally means a quality of life. Because of its quality, it is eternal. So it's a quality of life. So it says that when you fight the good fight of faith, you lay hold on the divine quality of life that has love and joy and peace and goodness and blessing and victory in that life. And so when you fight that good fight of faith, amen, and you cannot fight a good fight of faith without a good confession. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I'm just about finished. Romans chapter 4. Good confession. All right, then we'll give you these are the, the major facets of your confession. Praise the Lord. To me, one of the most fascinating things in, in the uh, four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the most fascinating things is a study of Jesus' confessions. All right, let's try it one more time because, you know, while, you, while you're teaching on this, sometimes people say, well, you know, that's an unusual subject, you know, to confess because they're always thinking about confessing your sin. Well, that's a pretty small facet of your Christianity because if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you don't have to confess it 38 times or for three years. He forgives you instantly and forgets it and treats you just like you never did sin. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Come on, the blood does that for you. So you're not holding fast to that confession. You're holding fast to your confession of your new creation, your new identity, and who you are in Christ, what the blood has done for you. So Romans chapter 10, you found this, and uh, we'll look at these 
other areas. Romans 10, he says, I made thee a father many days before him, and we believed even, even God who quickens dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Now verse 18, uh, who against hope, is that right? <laughs> we, well, I think we, uh, I think we like flip chapters or something here, you know. We're in Romans 4, 18 and not 10, 18. Uh, but, uh, you know, he said, uh, talking about Abraham, Romans 4, 17, Romans 4, 18, uh, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Next verse says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. And when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Next verse, and he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, came strong in faith, giving glory to God. For being fully persuaded what God has promised, he's able to perform. So what did Abraham do? Go back up there to verse uh, uh, 18. Uh, he says, against hope, he believed in hope. Go to verse 19. And it says, he considered not his own body now dead. So being not weak in faith, he staggered not at the promise of God. Being not weak in faith, considered not his own body. So when I was in Bible college, we studied these verses. So one of my professors decided he wanted to point out that the actual Greek translation is that he considered his own body. King James says he considered it not. So I had to do a study on my own with about 100 different translations, and I finally came up with the most accurate translation, shared it with my professor, <laughs> is after he considered his own body, then he considered it not. In other words, you can't Google your problem more than you Google your answer. In other words, that doesn't mean that you don't know that there is an issue somewhere. But once he considered it, then he turned his eyes away from his problems. Amen. Turned his eyes to the promises of God. Y'all still hearing? So, so he saw that he considered it, and then he considered it not. And then he became strong in faith doing what? Giving glory to God. And one translation says, confessing God's power. Uh, that's a good one, isn't it? So how did he become strong in faith? He staggered not at the promise of God. In other words, you see the promise of God and you're like, that preacher told you that. And you're like, you don't want someone to get mad at the preacher. But the preacher's just quoting the Bible. In other words, you see the promise of God, and you're like, how come I'm not experiencing that, or I don't have that? You can almost get mad. And say that. But Abraham, when he saw the promise of God, he staggered not because it looked so big and looked so good. He wasn't like, how could this ever happen to me? He just went, well, God said it. I believe it. Amen. He became strong in faith doing what? He became strong in faith doing what? Hebrews 13, 15 is how he became strong in faith, that he continually gave praise and thanksgiving to God. Amen. Fully persuaded what God has promised, he is able also to perform. I'm confessing his power or his ability. Amen? So four major areas of your confession 
that you should have it written down. Well, we've got some good ones too. But if, if you look at the confessions of Jesus, if you run across somebody that's a Christian and they may think, well, this is an unusual subject, that you say, have you ever studied the confessions of Jesus? Because Jesus was constantly confessing his identity, where he came from, and where he's going. He's constantly confessing what? Who his daddy is. You got to know who the baby daddy is. Come on, so, so he's constantly confessing who his daddy is. <laughs> Come on, we did a DNA. You got to... You gotta, you gotta confess. Jesus confessing what? Who his father is. He knows who his father is, and refers to his father 125 times just in the Gospel of John. Does he have a positive confession about that? Just my favorite one is John 10:29. What's that? My father is greater than all. Well, well, you can't be intimidated or a victim of nobody and nothing else if you know your father is greater than all. What's his confession? Jesus' confession is what? My father is greater than all. He's not intimidated by Pharisees or the Roman Empire or nothing. My father. Amen. My father, God's my father. He is greater than what? All. That's Jesus' confession. Amen. What's his confession? I am. Boy, he's got some powerful confession. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. I am the bread of life. I am. So Jesus is constantly making that confession. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't want to know about all that. I just want to follow Jesus. Well, that's really good, camel breath. <laughs> I hope that works out for you. No, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to know what that confession of faith that brings you into agreement with Jesus. Yes. Amen. The vine, you're the branch. He's constantly confessing his identity, his destiny. And he's holding fast to it. Are y'all still with me? All right, let's go. So here's four major areas of the importance of your confession. Four major areas. And so that means if you're going to take your confession of faith serious, you're going to have to at least cover these four areas. So, so if I ask you what your confession is, you should be able to go on for a while. And I, I'd even have to say, you know, that's enough. You know, in other words, instead of you just going, oh, let me see if I can come up with one. So four major areas. Number one is what you would call what happened from the cross to the throne. Your confession includes what Jesus did for you with his blood through his death and through his resurrection. What would that confession include? Well, let's just go to the blood one. The blood of Jesus purges me from every defilement of the enemy. 
Well, that sounds like a pretty good confession, don't it? The blood of Jesus purges me from every defilement of the enemy. Smith Wigglesworth said, there's not one thing in me the blood does not cleanse. So what's your confession? The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin, all unrighteousness, and actually removes the guilt and shame of sin. It actually removes sin consciousness. That you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now that's your confession. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So you're confessing everything Jesus did. He did it for me. Now I'm identified with him. I was crucified with him. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was made alive with him. I'm raised up together with him. I'm seated together with him. I'm blessed together with him. I have the same identical life, same identical authority, same identical blessing because I'm now in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. Come on, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I just come walking right in there because of the blood and cry, Abba, Father, I come boldly to the throne of grace. I receive mercy and find grace to help me in the time of need. The blood has paid it all by his own blood, my divine covering and protection, a shield of faith over me against every strategy and attack of the enemy. I have faith in the blood of Jesus and by his own blood he sanctified me. He made me holy. I belong to God. I'm a holy vessel, a new creation. <laughs> do, you, do you have any confession of it? When are you going to say it's what I want? Even the devil don't care what you believe if you'll be quiet about it. But you cannot separate faith from confession. What's your confession? So you got four major areas of your confession from what happened from the cross to the throne to who you are in Christ, your identification with Christ. To present-day ministry of Jesus. What's he doing for you right now at the right hand of God? That's part of your confession, isn't it? To the last one would be what? What the Word and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit does in you. What would that confession include? Boy, I feel like slapping somebody in the morning. We, we just having a morning session here. <laughs> Are y'all still with me? <laughs> the spoken word of God. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What does that mean? That means the same power is in the word, the spoken word. When you speak that word... Amen. The gospel of Christ is the power of God. It's surrounded by everything that happened in the resurrection of Christ. Tremendous power released in the resurrection of Christ towards us who believe. And yet the gospel contains the same power as the event. Means the devil's just as afraid of the spoken part of the gospel as he is of what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. He, he's just afraid of that. What you going to say? 
Praise the Lord. Amen. In other words, your confession brings you into agreement with the Almighty God. The same power that's in God. Same power, like what T.L. Osborne said. He said, many Christians think they need more power when really they just need more gospel. All right, let's try that again here. Many Christians think they need what? More power when really they just need more gospel because the gospel is the power of God. So when you take that word and put it in your mouth and you declare who Jesus is and what he's done and he's my Lord and my Savior and my righteousness and my Redeemer and I'm washed in his blood, the same power that's in the event, boom. Are you ready? Now, Trina, when the doctors diagnosed her with a brain tumor, not just a brain tumor, they said it's inoperable, it means there's nothing we can do about it, and she's going to uh, die eventually, but she'll be a vegetable, be paralyzed. So, when she's diagnosed, a lot of great scriptures. Isaiah 53, we're agreeing with that. Surely he's born, my griefs carried our sorrow. Right? Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. Boom, and a shield of faith starts coming up right there where you say that it's not penetrating my, my soul. Yes. Your confession, that shield of faith. Yes. Amen. But one of our favorite scriptures came from the last point that I just gave you. What was the last point? The indwelling Holy Spirit. So you, you would say what? What's your confession? Romans 8, 11. What's your confession? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. All right, let's try that again. Come on, what, what's your confession? What's your confession? I mean, you come, you coming from a point one, two, three, four, and you come right down here, and you start talking about the indwelling Holy Spirit, the same Spirit and the same anointing, come on, that's in Christ, dwells on the inside of you, and it gets into your mortal body and my blood and my bones, come on, and it gets into my heart and my liver and my kidneys, amen. Whatever the doctor's report is, I got another report, and that is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me, and he quickens my mortal body. He is the greater one. He's greater than sickness, greater than disease. Come on, he's greater than any problem, greater than any situation. He's greater than depression. He's the greater one. Uh, come on, I don't have to go to Dallas to find him. I don't have to go down to Florida to get a touch. I got a touch right here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Are y'all still here? I don't have to go somewhere else to get a touch. He lives in me. I got a touch. Are y'all still here? I said, he lives in me. I got a touch. Man, if you had to go somewhere, man, we're going to have to go to Dallas. No? Come on. Same spirit, he lives in me. He can touch you in your bedroom right while you're sitting in there. Praise the Lord. Amen. But we go to church and we go to the meetings that we can go to. 
Because there's some assembly required. You know, your body works better when it's assembled. You, you divide it up and it just won't do much. You know, it's a cruel joke. You know, what do you call a man with no arms and no legs and a pile of leaves? Russell. Russell. <laughs> you got <laughs> He ain't going nowhere. He's just rustling around the leaves. So... So in the body of Christ, we got a lot of rustles laying around. But if you, if you, come on, some assembly, come on, you come together, amen, because as you're assembled together, boy, that anointing multiplies and you're assembled together. Amen? But you don't have to go to Dallas to get saved. We like Dallas. We go to Florida if you like the sunshine, but you don't have to go there to get saved. Same spirit lives in you. What's your confession? What's your confession? How often are you going to make that confession? Uh, how often are you going to make that confession? Come on, by him, therefore, we offer what? The sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's the fruit of our lips doing what? Confessing to his name. Amen? And then when you're singing... That's just another facet of your confession. Amen? I realize a lot of people can't sing. You know, I always say, you know, I used to pray that I could sing until I heard Pastor Joe, and then I started praying he could sing. But, but I, so you realize a lot of people can't sing too well, Right? It don't matter how good you can sing. I still sing. I sing at the house. I sing in the truck, in my car. I'm singing all the time. You know, I, I got like a million songs. I've got like this thing inside of me, you know, what do they call it? You know, where you punch the button, you know. And jukebox. I got like a Holy Ghost. It's got a few, a few old tunes from Eric Clapton on there. I have to tell you, I have to watch out for <laughs> Yeah, I have to watch out there. pop up every now and then. I'm like, Chicago, you know. I don't know. Y'all wasn't raised in the 70s, but I had some old songs pop out of that. I'm like, where'd that come from? Out of my jukebox. I ain't supposed to be singing that. No. <laughs> yeah. One of the Eagles songs, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It popped up on my jukebox the other day. I was like, one of the Eagles songs. I'm going to take it to the limit one more time. Ba -da -da. My wife's like, where'd you get that from? I said, oh, it's the Eagles, I think. Like. <laughs> then she got mad when I went, ooh, witchy woman. <laughs> She's like, I said, that's still the Eagles, baby. I know that ain't about you, but that's somebody else, I'm sure. See how high she flies. Get, get off that broom, baby. All right, so. And y'all have like an old jukebox stuff there somewhere that's going to pop up out of your head. You're like, oh. I know Minister does. He's got like a couple of hundred.
Well, you put, uh, what was that song they used to sing like? Please don't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song. Who's that guy? Uh, B.J. Thomas. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all don't know them songs. (laughs) And then there was another song like, please don't play B-29 again or something like that, you know, on the jukebox. They don't have any jukebox anymore, do they? They used to have, like, you know, a jukebox pushing B. Play B-29. (laughs) Give me a root beer. All right. I mean, glad you're saved, hallelujah. All right, well, you don't have to play those songs no more, but you ought to have a, you ought to have a list of confessions of faith, right? And uh, associated with, I, we, we can sing all the songs from the hymn book, me and Trento, because we're raising church. We know the song of the hymn book. We even know, like, uh, the, the page number they're on. So, you, you know, you could actually resist the devil just with the page number. You just go... <laughs> Page number 89, devil, now get out of here. <laughs> and y'all raised singing in the hymn book? I mean, we used to sing in the hymn book. I mean, we, we didn't like sing all these modern songs. Somebody sang a modern song. You know, anybody could write a modern song. Uh, but, well, those old hymns, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. His child and forever I am. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Boy, you can sing some of those songs and put the devil on the run. Hallelujah. That's a part of your confession, isn't it? Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong, local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.